All right. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We have another fantastic guest today, John from Comedy Writing. Well, you do comedy writing for revenue teams. So thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. Bob, uh, did you notice John was swinging to yeah, a yeah. He said John likes the intro. That's good. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm on board. You know who wrote the intro, John? Well, now you're gonna have to tell me because uh, I mean, I could I could say, "Oh my God, Paul, was it you?" <laughs> I played every instrument as well. That's my <laughs> side gig. You're like a modern day Paul McCartney. That is incredible. Yeah, except I'm, I don't make any money like he does. <laughs> Very <laughs> fair. <laughs> we're we're all like, artists at heart. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, John. Yeah, tell what, us. What uh, yeah, tell us about who you are, what do you do? I know we kind of spoke offline a bit of how you got like what do you do now, but how do you got into it? That'd be that was that was a good story. <laughs> okay, that was many questions all at once. I'll try and synthesize yeah. them in my brain and uh, give you guys a great answer. So I am John Sealing, I'm the founder of Comedy Writing for Revenue Teams, which is half sales training, half crash course in joke writing. And really what I do is I help sales reps and marketers of all kinds. Use the process that stand-up comedians use to connect with their audience so they could better connect with theirs. So I help force them through the process of writing jokes um, specifically to make their prospects laugh and to demonstrate their own relevance to the prospects. We break down who is, who is your target persona, what problems is you, do you as a vendor solve for them, um, and what are the impacts of not solving those problems? And then I show them how to bake that all into a simple joke that that gets that uh, that emotional reaction from prospects because they're like, oh, that's funny because it's true that that does suck. We do deal with that all the time. <laughs> and uh, look, there's, so there's two elements: we're we're crafting messaging for outreach and for demos and for discovery. But even if we don't write great jokes, there's a peer knowledge transfer that happens with sales reps um, because we're literally trying to master subject matter expertise so that we can be more consultative of sales reps versus be Sales reps, if that makes sense. Oh, I, 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 sorry, Fab. I'm doing what you said I'd do. I love this. It's amazing. Um, can you give us a little bit, like, I'm imagining a bunch of stuff in my head, right? You're saying this, and I have, like, I have a picture of what it could be. Could, could I ask you to maybe give us, just tactically speaking, a little bit of the course without giving too much away and maybe do it with Fab and I? Because I'd love to see how this actually happens. Is, is, that, is that okay? Yeah, sure. I, I, I don't mind. Um, so if, if anyone wants to, to check out a few examples of jokes, because these aren't jokes that I tell every day. These are jokes that have come out of my workshops. Okay. But if people go to johnsealing.com slash joke samples, um, there's, there's four good jokes that have come out of uh, past workshops with my clients. Um, and they're all meant to highlight problems that the vendor can solve for the clients. And also impacts of not solving those problems. So for example, I worked with a company called EventMobi. And they are um, they're a SaaS that offers event planners, uh, 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 mobile apps for their attendees, for conferences, for sales meetings, for events. And the idea is um, that they don't, you know, it's a big pain in the butt to print off um, and dispose of programs. Remember, remember events? Remember live events, guys, before uh, we had a global pandemic that sidelined us to our apartment for the last million years? Um, the idea is that, that it's, it's a it was a real pain in the butt, and it still is, to print off those programs, 
with the agendas, the list of speakers, all that kind of stuff, hand it out to every attendee at the event. And then when the event is over, what happens to those programs? Recycling. Recycling, fire starters, uh, paper airplanes. And you guys even took it a step further. You, you kind of figured out a bit of the punchline. The idea is that <laughs> people throw these things out. They leave them yeah. on the floor. And so the joke that these guys wrote was um, the biggest challenge about printing programs for your next event is finding a big enough recycling bin to put them in. Okay. <laughs> so I, I it, it's good because I think what you're saying, you said this in the intro, is it, it gets you thinking about more than just what's happening, right? So you're really using comedy in, in essence to communicate with, the with the, the 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 potential prospect or or whoever you're, you're you're trying to sell to am i correct in assuming that yeah we're, we're trying to paint pictures of what sucks about a problem that we can solve and yeah. communicate to them in a way that's memorable and demonstrates our relevance to the prospect because i think we can all appreciate especially on the top of funnel side of things it's really hard to stand out in the marketplace whether you're yeah. cold calling sending cold email linkedin connection requests like we all want to be we all want to be relevant we also want to be memorable we want to we want them to go oh my god that person told me this joke about uh you know i worked at the company recently they do graph database technology uh and like if you can tell some deep cut joke that highlights unnecessary table joins or um identifying patterns or bad relationships um that's a great way to like really stand out to your prospect yeah. and at the same time strike up a conversation as to whether or not they're struggling with the particular problem, which we just highlighted through a joke. Yeah. And I like it because on the one hand, you know, you're getting a better understanding of your audience, which a lot of salespeople and marketers don't necessarily have, right? Like, especially younger folks that are just starting in the, in the business, but, but then, yeah, you're also applying it to getting the standing out. That's really, because I mean, it's one thing to understand, but then if you're still kind of flatlining, like, Hey, we double ROI, you know, you're not really standing out at all. Well, and, that, and that's something I tell like all my, my, the teams I work with, it's like, guys, I want you to make a list of all the impacts associated with not solving the problem consequences. I mean, this isn't, I didn't invent this. This is just like every, this is really what every sales trainer should be teaching. Um, but you know, very common response is, Oh, they're going to go broke or they're going to lose money or they're going to waste money. And I'm like, no, that that's obvious. I want to know these root causes um, the, the, yeah, the root causes of the wastages of time and money. So don't tell me you're going to waste money. Don't tell me you're going to waste time. Every business problem on the planet wastes time and money or prevents them from making time and money. I want you to get really granular and specific and good humor is often rooted in, in granularity and specifics. Mm. So I'm getting them to unpack all the, all that stuff. So John, what do you do when you meet two duds like us who don't know how to be funny? Like I've, I've had so many of my friends saying, Paul, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you're trying to like my family's known. Like you know, I know a few jokes, and when I tell them, it's like, oh my god, you are so pathetically not funny. <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do with someone who's got like no timing? Like like, how do you work with them? How did you? Can you pull funny out of anybody? Can you pull humor out of anybody? So let's clarify a couple. Let's 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 unpack that, as so many of us like to say in 2022. Um, <laughs> I can't make anybody funny. That's number one. I could, I could give them some, cause that you're right. Like you said, I, I don't teach timing. Um, I think getting funnier is something I can help 
do. But when I say get funnier, um, even if it means a tenth of a percent funnier than you currently are, that's a win for me. If I can mm -hmm. make you slightly funnier because you find this one joke that your prospects love, that you learn how to tell and deliver with timing, because eventually like it, 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 takes, it takes a bunch of failure. Um, and I could say that as someone who's done stand-up comedy for 10 years, like my, my biggest jokes in comedy and stand-up, none of which will be repeated on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they all took some time to figure out the timing. Uh, it involved some public failure, but also I would record all my sets mm. and I would go back and watch them and realize like, what information did I not feed them? Where did I lose them? And this is assuming I really believed something was funny. You sort of have to have that belief that this is funny and I know I can eventually sell this to my audience to get them to buy into the idea. So, I mean, that's an investment. I was doing stand-up um, three to five times a week for six years before I toned it down to like once or twice a week. And then a pandemic, uh, and I was doing some virtual, but I don't, I don't do it the rate I used to. But to get funnier at least on stage. And let's be clear when you're a sales rep and you're making cold calls or you're doing demos, you are on stage. So I don't teach people to be funny in the moment. I don't teach people to have really witty comebacks. That's improv. That's also practice and that's a muscle. Um, but the journey of writing jokes, and again, just the journey of it forces people to think about is, you know, some truth and some pain and some reality. And it teaches them to say things in a new creative way. Once they can assemble the joke, they have to practice like delivering it and working it in so that it seems natural. That's a lot of work. Mm. Um, you're right. It's all about connecting. So what I think, I think if, if I was to summarize what you're saying, what I'm taking away from this is that if you learn that process, then you're learning to connect with what's important to your audience, i.e. client or prospect. Right. And if you learn to connect to your client and audience, you've got a higher chance of potentially selling them what you're trying to sell to. In a very tiny nutshell or a big one, that, that's exactly it. Okay. Um, so something I like to talk about when I speak to sales teams is what can sales pros learn from the worst open mic comedians that I've been forced to suffer through <laughs> in years of performing comedy. I, I've gone to so many open mics. I, you know, I do shows, I've done clubs, but you got to do a lot of open mics in comedy and the open mics, they're open mics. They're, they're not booked shows. You just sign up and you get on yeah. or in Montreal, there's a lot of booked open mics, but it's the same idea. Everyone's gets five minutes and that's it. And I've watched a lot of comedians. I've, I've learned way more about comedy and sales from watching the bad ones who don't know how to connect with their audience. Um, especially over a period of years. Like I just watched some people never evolve out of the open mic scene. The idea is you progress from open mics to, um, excuse me, to book shows, to uh, paid shows, to um, to clubs, to festivals, to television. Uh, obviously, as you go, it's, it's sort of a funnel approach because you know as we get towards the bottom of the funnel, there's not that many people getting booked for festivals, right? Mm. Um, but you you can you can you can improve at comedy and get competent at it. Uh, I like to think I was competent. But I learned so much from watching the truly terrible ones. And there was a common theme. They would make everything about themselves. So one guy would come out and say, hey, you guys, big fans of 80s pro wrestling. And the audience would be like, we don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. 
and he'd be like, well, that's too bad because I have five minutes on that stuff. Let's go. Oh, and he boy. didn't even do that. At, he's The one guy I'm thinking of, he's not quite an open micer. He's a little bit above that, but he doesn't care about the audience. And mm. they, they just tune out. I've watched, I've watched that, that kind of um, approach kill audiences at shows because they're never making it about the audience. You know, comedians talk about dating and relationships, airplane food, um, life in a pandemic, stuff that we're all dealing with and struggling with and that's relatable and relevant. Whereas if I, I say, hey, uh, you guys see uh, the new Boba Fett, uh, episode three, the fourth scene, when character X did, yeah. a, a couple of people might know what I'm talking about, but maybe no, it's really funny to me, but if it's not funny to the audience, then I'm not doing my job. So what you said, Paul, um, and, and my reply, which was a really long-winded validation of what you were saying, um, was bang on. Well, so John, I, I I have to, because I, I obviously do sales training too. I do sales coaching and I find it fascinating that I, I don't know if I'm good. I hope I'm good. I think my clients think I'm good and I try to help them out. And I think you're probably good at what you do. I mean, I haven't spoken to your clients, but you've got a certain amount of success. So I'm sure. Don't do that. Good. Don't speak to my, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> get funny, that was good. So, but what I think, but what I think the common element here is for any, Anyone who's, we teach communication, right? We, we help people communicate with the people they're trying to, 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 to connect with. And it's funny, I was talking to a friend this morning who's got this new sales gig and he, he's not, he's a very smart guy. He's really good at opening the doors. And then he goes right into this demo. And I, I said to him, said to him, you know, he, he, showed, he says, I'm having a really hard time closing. And exactly what you said, he's not doing the critical important part. I said, are you even taking the time to understand your prospects pain points? Are you even seeing what your product, like how it connects to their objectives? Are you asking them now when you're doing comedy and you're not on stage, you can't sit there and ask your audience, like what's important to you. Although some people tend to do that, right? They they'll, they'll do it and they can like, I've seen Seinfeld do that a few times. Like they'll bring something new in or, or Robin Williams, but you know, but really what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to have that interactive conversation in sales to make sure that you understand your prospects point pain points because it's not about what's important and you just said it in the same way it's not about what's important for you it's about what's important to them it's mm -hmm. about what matters to them and i think that's a common element i had I, when fab told me that we'd be meeting i said i can't wait to talk to this guy because <laughs> right away connected in my head i said oh that's really interesting it and it's really a cool concept to tie in uh comedy or, or, or that kind of speaking to, to sales. And honestly, you know, I might talk to you offline afterwards and see how I can incorporate some of that in what I do. Cause I, I find it's actually really smart. It's, it's, it's really a good way. Cause comedy, you know, when you're, when you're laughing at someone, when they're on stage, not laughing at someone, laughing at the jokes you're saying, or sometimes unfortunately at them, <laughs> it puts you in a wholly different state of mind. You know, yeah. you're more open. Like, you know, this better than anyone, John, but if you go to a comedy act, the warm up act, is funny then next guy is funny and then by the time the third guy comes on it's like you can have almost anyone on stage you just you feel like laughing you're in that yeah. laughing mood, you know yeah yep. so i find that super important can i add something um what you said about um not understanding the audience when you're on stage like we don't have time to to let's just call it run discovery yeah but here's another big mistake i watch a lot of like young comedians make they don't want, so the MC of the show, 
their job is to run discovery on the audience. Yes. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Who's visiting from out of town? Who's celebrating something tonight? What part of the city are you from? Mm. Um, anybody here see the latest Batman movie? Yeah. We're, yeah. we're trying to get an understanding of who this audience is. And I've mm. watched a lot of, I like to watch those first 10 minutes because I will admit, I cannot help myself at times. I write the odd joke or two where I'm like, this won't go over well with every audience. Mm. And I put together my little set list uh, before a show and, and every venue has a bit of a different crowd. So you sort of know, like if you're, you know, performing at this bar, it's yeah. kind of a younger hipster audience and they don't like certain things. If you go to this bar in the suburbs, they're kind of more open to certain things. Um, and so, you, you know, I, I always watch those opening 10 minutes to understand who is the audience. And if I see that, like, it's not who I anticipated it's going to be. I drop the joke that I was, Okay. thinking about telling them yeah right um, and, and i watch a lot of young comedians they're in the green room like socializing beforehand they're not watching that discovery session they mm. go up there and they bomb because they they haven't taken time to read the room yeah and yeah. so yeah. and so like would you say like when you're working with like sales teams let's say is it is it also a matter of developing like a few jokes so then that you have like like you said like building your playlist so as you're running your discovery you're like okay you know, Paul seems to be into this. Maybe I can kind of plug in this type of joke. Is it also about, is it about staying flexible too with your prospects? I mean, different reps take away different things from what I teach. So I want to highlight something really important, which is most sales pros sell stuff they've never used to people whose jobs they've never had in industries they've never worked. Mm. Paul's laughing. He's like, I've never used any of the crap <laughs> I've sold. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, you know, we, we got prospects over here yeah. and we have sales reps over here. And, and this distance is as far as away as two humans could possibly be from each other. Right. My goal is to help bring sales reps closer to their prospects so they can feel more comfortable with them. Yeah. So, so what I do again, serves two purposes. The journey of, of writing jokes forces them to understand who is this prospect Hmm. Um, what are their, what are their objectives? What does their day-to-day -day look like? How are they measured? Who are their key stakeholders? Like that's our audience. We have to understand everything about our audience and then, okay. Um, I'm a sales rep. I'm over here. Why should they care about me? Why? Because I can help them remove this one roadblock, but hmm. I need to be able to tell the story of how this roadblock affects them and why they should really think hard about trying to fix this problem in the near to mid future. Um, and, and so the so the journey of writing jokes forces them to master all that. There's a tribal knowledge sharing that happens. Um, reps learn from each other um, through the process and the exercises I give them. And then the last step is again, some people might know all that stuff, but now I get I show them kind of how to go down a creative journey. I show them how jokes work, and I get them writing these short form short form humor. Just to be clear, like I'm not talking about a rabbi, a priest, and a minister walking to a bar. And say hyper offensive things to each other. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> Short, I was looking to that joke. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'll take the punchline off camera. Um, <laughs> but but short form humor, like if we think to like old school 140 character Twitter, you know, quick setup, quick punchline, like that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. And so if we can, if we, if I can get them to write a short, quick joke that again highlights why that problem sucks for that audience. Um, the, some of the reps are going to run with these jokes and slide them into conversations, use them as cold call openers and cold emails. 
demos, what have you. And we all remember when we laugh. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I say that all the time. Emotion. <laughs> you, when, you, when you have emotion, you will remember something much better. I love it. I like you, Joe. <laughs> I'm relieved. <laughs> I was like, you guys are not ditching this podcast at this point, whether you like me or not. So, <laughs> yeah, we need an episode. So. Like you were just going to press delete. Dude. <laughs> and then I'm like, I went too far. Okay. Um, but you, you, mentioned, you mentioned the word emotion. And people who go to comedy shows laugh at jokes that are rooted in, in pain, in, in the things that suck for us the things that frustrate us, the things that we dislike, the things that scare us, the things that we're nervous about. And, you know, comedy is rooted in truth and pain. And so if we can write some humor that's rooted in truth and pain that our clients receive or our prospects receive, and they, they again, they go, that's funny because it's true. We just, we've been talking about this for the last six months. Your, your, your call is perfectly timed. I want to talk to you guys about this. Like it's kind of a Jedi mind trick to make them laugh about a problem, which they're struggling with and, and telling a story about what sucks about that problem. Yeah. That's, that's really, it's fascinating because I think I do use humor a little bit on the improv, particularly in my, my um, what I'll call my elevator pitch or my, my conversation starter, just because I'm often speaking to people that don't know me and I, I I'm, maybe I like torture, but I love doing cold calls. I love I love when people have absolutely no idea who I am. It's a real challenge to me. I must have something to prove. So then I, I and I, I like those first few minutes and I often use a little bit of humor depending, and I'm trying to read the person on the other side of the line, right? To see, well, what might make them laugh? And if I make them laugh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll sell to them. I don't know if I'll even get a next meeting, but I know that when I've made them laugh, they've connected with me. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I, I totally... I, I really see, I, I truly understand the connection a lot better now. Can I tell you my favorite joke? Let's hear it. So my favorite joke, I say this to young kids usually. Probably. <laughs> this is going off the rails fast. <laughs> and I think I stole it from Stephen Wright. I'm not sure who it was. Um, and it's, hey, kid, how old, how old are you? And the kid will answer, I don't know, six, seven, eight. Let's say. You know, hey kid, how old are you? And the kid will say eight years old. I said, ah, uh, I remember when I was your age, I was nine years old. And they all like they either look at me like, <laughs> and then some of them get it. I love when they get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. so that's my favorite. So I don't sure if it helps me with my audience. <laughs> me you need to sell kindergarten toys. That's what you need to do. Well, hold on. So, so what is the most critical portion of a cold call for the seller, Paul? Well, Paul or Fab? Uh, I'll let Paul take that one. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> picking up. <laughs> the most critical portion? Like when, once they picked up or, or yeah, like Fab said. It, so once they picked up, I think it's to connect quickly so that they don't hang up on. Okay, great. And how many seconds do we have to connect? Oh, boy. I would say you have probably under, I would think under five to 10 seconds. Exactly. So what if, Paul, what if I were to cold call you? Yeah. And you were a sales leader. What what's a classic challenge? What are, what what name me like a few classic sales leader challenges? Um, your reps are not uh, your reps are not performing. They're not filling up the CRM. Uh, they're not selling the right thing. 
they're they're blowing off the margins. They're discounting too quickly. Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> okay. So let, let's say, for example, I was uh, a guy who helps make, let's say I'm a vendor and I help make CRM data entry smoother or something like okay. that or help. Okay. So uh, That's fab, by the way. We're fab. What's that? That's fab. Oh. All right, Fab, pay attention. We're going to start your cold calling career right now. Awesome. So, hey, Paul, this is John Seeley. We've never spoken before. So this call is colder than the stare your, stare your reps give you when you tell them to enter everything into CRM. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. You see, you see, that would make me laugh because I hate normally when people just come up with, with – but if it's, if it's understandably humor, then it'll just make me laugh because – I know that you're trying to, you know, you're going to try to sell me something that that you want to sell me, right? And if right away you make me laugh, I've never had anyone do that, <laughs> but I think I, it would make me laugh. It's okay, that's a good one. I've never heard. It's like hearing a great pickup line, right? You know, it's so so I think right away it would be it would open me up to wanting to hear more. Yeah, and so so what I just did, what, what I just created on the spot was what I call a cold opener. Yeah, and so the idea is. You can write a joke that, that compares how unsolicited your call is yep. to an emotional reaction to a pain point which you can solve. Yep. So yep. for example, I part of my workshops, I align sales and marketing. Uh, so my go-to cold call openers, we've never spoken before. I tell them it's a cold call. I'd be like, hey, Paul, my name is John Seelig. We've never spoken before. So this call is colder than the relationship between sales and marketing. <laughs> and, and you can write... You can write any, a joke. Uh, you, you can write any kind of cold opener. The word cold is beautiful because it's it's tied to so many different human emotions. Um, frustration. What's that? It's tied to Canada. <laughs> yeah, but but you can, look, you could cold call someone and say, this call is colder than Canada in February. Okay, haha. But you're still at ground zero. You're yeah, you're, 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 exactly. You're at ground zero because you're not connecting on, on an issue that's important to them. So John, I want to know your take on something. So I tell people, regardless of how good your opening is, right? You're still going to have failure once in a while, right? There's a few people in the audience that aren't laughing at your joke, right? right. For whatever reason, they're on their phone, they're, they think you're, you know, they don't like your face because you remind them of their ex-boyfriend, um, <laughs> you know, you, you stop, whatever it might be. So what I say to people is regardless of how good your opener is, you're still going to fail. And actually, if you fail a little bit less than 50% of the time, you're amazing. Yep. And if you fail sometimes 70% of the time, you're still amazing. So how does that, how, how, do, you, how do you deal with that when you're, you're training people on the cold opener or whatever it might be? What, what do you tell them? Do you set expectations there or do you talk about that? Yeah. And it, listen, there's two, there's two levels. There's a reason why we're writing jokes that highlight problems. Because obviously I want the people I train to start getting laughs because laughs, like you said, they break the ice, they break the tension and laughter feels good. People like that. Right. Um, however, even if they don't laugh at the joke, there's relevancy baked into the joke. Yes. So for example, uh, another cold opener, I'll just give it cause like, why not? You know, I solve the problem of call reluctance for SDRs. They don't like, or for SDR leaders, reps don't like to pick up the phone in 2022. Mm. Cold calling is not something that people love to do. So I have this one joke that's like, uh, we've never spoken before. So this call 
Is colder than an SDR sweat when they're told less smiles, more dials? <laughs> okay, you're laughing. Both of you are laughing, and that's good. But even if you didn't laugh, I'm saying something that's relevant. Yeah. 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 yeah let's say it's like, okay, uh, what's this about? Well, are your reps, do you find your reps are making an adequate amount of cold calls? No, they're actually not. Okay. And then just, you know, they'll give you more time because it's relevant. Yeah. So I, I don't expect everyone to A, make everybody laugh. I don't expect everyone A, to be struggling with the problem that the joke is about. Mm. But I do believe that this approach is just a great way to at least make it less of a painful conversation, be relevant, get on a radar and not be disrespected as a prospector at the very least. And, and, you know, I like what you're saying, John, I totally agree with it. What I like about it and the way it fits in. And I like it because I agree with it because this is sort of what I do at a different level. Um, you don't have a lot of time in a cold call no. to make it about them. And what you're saying, you're, you're even faster than I am because I used to tell people, do an introduction. You're saying, you know, you're going right to the, excuse the pun, the punchline because you're making it about them immediately. And the reason you can do that is because you're using humor. So it's, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's on steroids because theoretically, you're immediately making it about the other person and you're giving them the chance to connect with you within five to 10 seconds. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're, you don't even have to say what you do. You, you're just saying, you know, are you facing this? And then obviously you're making the person laugh or at least think, and then you're going to want to know a little bit more about you. So I, I, it's great. I have, I have no negative points to bring to that. I am it's like you were, so I'm yeah, sorry. it's like you were saying, right? Like just even if the person isn't laughing, you're also standing out. Like, so no, 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 not only are you resonating because you're talking about like SDRs not wanting to cold call or whatever, but you're different, right? Because most sales trainers would probably be like, hey, John, this is fab. You know, like, are you happy with how, you know, like they would just jump into this pitch and we're not pitch, but like elevator pitch and everybody does that. And then, and if, if you're a leader, you hear like 12 a week, you know? And so just the fact that somebody tried to do something a little different, even if you personally don't find it funny, I think probably goes a long way. Yeah. And <clears throat> I'll say something else too. And I don't know, John, if you've noticed this, but my phone, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a founder of my company, my phone, and it's, it's, it's my phone number is hooked up on LinkedIn and you can, you know, just pick it up. No one ever calls it. So I believe that cold calls are amazing because more and more people are picking up because, you know, I don't know how old you're, John, I think probably a little bit younger than me, but you know, 20 years ago, your phone was ringing off the hook. You didn't want to answer. And people say, oh, people hate getting phone calls. I'm sorry. When someone calls you now, you're curious. <laughs> you want to answer the phone. So if you, on top of that, they're going to answer you. And on top of that, you've got something intelligent or you can use humor to get them to open up. It's like you, you're putting a lot of things on, 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 in, you're putting a lot of things in play that are going to help you get to the next step. And, and I like that. And what I also like, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, is let's say, let's say you're shy and you know, you don't like doing cold calls. I think this also gives you a format that allows you to play a character, right? You, you can be, you can be a character, you can be an actor in, 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 in your own uh, cold call, in your own elevator pitch. Do you teach, like, do you, do you, do you play on that aspect? Do you tell people that, or is that part of the, the whole thing? I mean, what I tell them is, 
it's more that like I don't I don't tell them to become a character. I coach them on how on delivery and how modulation and tone and all that is probably even more important than the actual words and and, and what our message is. Um, because look, there's some really boring cold call openers that work for people who have a command of the message. Hmm. So I, like, there's this. Um, Hello, this is so and so with Company X. Um, have I caught you at a bad time? You know, and, and that's boring. But but if someone has great command of that, then then they're gonna they're gonna control the conversation. Um, so I don't really teach them to be a character per se, but I do let them know that if you can figure out the timing and how to make them people laugh, and once you nail that timing, it becomes very addictive, and then you get confidence, mm. and then the inner character in you just naturally comes out. I mean, I never said it like that, but I, I've always said that if you can learn to make someone laugh repeatedly, like make people laugh with the same opener repeatedly, it's just going to boost your confidence in your yep. sales game as a whole. That's mm. true. And it's funny, and, and full disclosure, I was going to do a LinkedIn post this afternoon. <laughs> and my LinkedIn post is going to be uh, how your tone and, and your approach is more important than the words you say in your cold call. Because the way you present yourself and, and the spacing, and I was gonna, I was, I, I'm gonna do this. And it's interesting because you're now confirming even more to that point and saying, you're gonna help people with the timing because you, you, you agree with me that the same words can come out of two people's mouths. Like it come out of my mouth and Fab's mouth and Fab's will sound great and mine will crash and burn, even though, we said the exact same thing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I assume a big part of it in building that confidence is learning, you know, where do you put the pauses? Where do you give the person time to answer? Uh, how are you listening? Your tone of voice. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, mirror the tone of voice. I'm sorry. If someone's on the other side of the phone, me saying, Hey, uh, you know, hi, this, you know, I say, hi, whatever. Hey, what do you want? You know, I'm not going to start saying, yeah, I'm Paul LaFleur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, no, you don't mirror. What I tend to say to people is most people speak too quickly, and I'm definitely one of them. You know, try to slow down, listen for what's going on. And, and so, so the, the, the way you speak and how it comes out of your mouth is almost as important as what you're going to say. To, because we're, we're animals, right? We react to tone. We react to empathy. It's almost like we have a meter in the back of our brains that that bypasses our cognitive brain goes right to the right to the the lizard brain and says oh i'm this guy's tone of voice or this girl's tone of voice is sincere so i can listen to them and, and you you didn't even do it consciously you know it's 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 automatic and you you can you can tell what you know sometimes you say oh i got a bad feeling about this guy you know he's full of shit why do you say that i don't know i just know you know, and the next thing you know, the, the person's trying to do whatever, you know, steal your girlfriend. Or... <laughs> a terrible person. <laughs> so, so, but it's really, so it's interesting that you say that about, sorry, long-winded response to what you said, but that tone and delivery are important. And you said something else that's really key too, is building that confidence with success, right? You, you, you've said the same opener and it works. And you build confidence, and then that makes you feel even better. So you have an even better tone and an even more confident tone. You do so; it's it's got a cyclical effect. Now, what do you do with people who fail miserably, and it makes them feel worse? I whisper politely in their ear. There's not much I can do for you. Please, <laughs> you might want to find another line of career. Work in <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'll tell you guys a quick story or, or give you a, a parallel. So for years, my opener in stand-up, and when we start stand-up, we don't know what the hell we're doing. There's the odd person who really gets it right out of the gate. But even if you're doing it 10 years and you're a pro, seasoned pro, you're still learning all the time. Like we never yeah. figure it. It's like a puzzle that without an end, um, which you never solve. But really early on, like a common trick in stand-up is like you come out and you tell the audience, hey, I look like a celebrity that you – and I know you like people have told me I look like that celebrity. So for years, people tell me I look like Ross and Monica's dad. And that's been my opening joke. I look like Elliot Gould. Uh, and I get the audience on my side really quickly. And while they're laughing and going, oh, my God, it's so true. He does. I'm sort of like I have like a few seconds. I'm buying a few seconds to compose myself. And what is sort of like I'm a, when you get on stage, you're an emotional wreck and like your brain's all over the place. Your, play, your brain is doing a million things, like processing everybody, trying to remember your words, your tone. But then while they're laughing, it's like we take this big, deep breath. We take a physical and metaphorical step forward towards the audience, puff out our chest. We're able to process and remember exactly what we're saying next. And we zam it to them with like so much more confidence. But to your point, one out of 10 times, that joke gets me nothing. Sure. It's kind of a money joke. It, it works. I've been doing it for a long time. And I'm tired of it, but it works. It's like this go-to opener that gets them on your side quickly, but one out of 10 times, it doesn't work. And then you're sort of like, you, you don't have time to take that, to get the confidence, to take that step forward. Like you, yeah. you're not, they're not letting you do it. So mm -hmm. you sort of have to like, it, that also toughens you up and you have to be prepared. So when that like, happens, can you still manage to turn it into a successful set or do you, is it a lot harder? I mean, every, every joke that you, tell where they do not laugh right of the gate you're digging yourself into a deeper hole okay because eventually their faces will light up but not because they're enjoying themselves because they're on their phones like that's what <laughs> that's, that's what will happen um but but and so you 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 have like a minute to really establish credibility and if you haven't made them laugh at least once in the first minute you're probably kind of screwed yeah. i depending on how good you are and you know how to work a crowd you can dig yourself out of the hole but early on you're screwed um, but I've, I've dug myself out of holes in the past. I mean, it's, it stinks, but there's you, the more standup you do, the more tricks you learn to reel them back in. And the same goes for sales. Um, you know, obviously on a cold call, we lose them. They're going to hang up, uh, right. same with cold email delete. But if we're part of a demo and it's not going well, you know, we're booked for an hour, half an hour. Um, th there's ways to win them back, right? We, right. we, we can dump parts of the demo and fast forward to the part that we go, you know what, they're not seeing this, but I know this part is super relevant to them. Let's just get there, right? Like, mm. yeah. yeah. So it's interesting because you notice Fab's got a drum set behind him and I'm actually a guitar player and I've, I've played quite a few live shows in my life. And what you're saying also relates to being live on stage because sometimes you're playing and, you know, the audience looks like they're not connecting at all. And then you're thinking, okay, how, how am I going to, how am I going to change a set around to get them to participate? And you think, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to do this song next. Or what am I going to say between the songs to get them going? And, mm. and so it's, it's, I think there's some similarities there um, that, that probably come from performing, right? Because really, you're right. When you're cold calling, you are performing. You know? It's like you've got a little bit of time to, to connect with them. But then there's also you know, the, the next stages, discovery and whatnot. But uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Anyways, I, I've learned a ton today, and, <laughs> and it makes sense to uh, – bring those things together and, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's very, very interesting. Now I want to go take your class. 
<laughs> I will send you an invoice uh, as soon as I can. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys invited me. It was a pleasure talking to both of you. Yeah. And uh, I hope I hope you guys um, feel mildly funnier after this conversation that you've absorbed <laughs> some of my comedic quote unquote um, genius or lack thereof, whichever one. <laughs> You prefer, but uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Did you have one last Thanks, joke you had? Paul, can you repeat that? I'll say I'll I'll try one last joke. Let's see if I can get a laugh out of either one of you. This is terrible because I'm setting I'm I'm doing what I'm not supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah. why, why did Fab start a podcast with Paul? Shameless from self promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You gave me the question. Thanks. I didn't. <laughs> team effort, guys. I'm glad we were able to collaborate on this process. <laughs> Thank All you, right, John. Paul, Thank thanks, you everybody. Much, Thank you for having okay. me, guys. Bye.